Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. I think we're in for a delightful episode tonight. The topic tonight is the Warrior Heart Practice. And our guest tonight is Heather Ash. Amara. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. But I wanted to talk a little bit about um, embodying yourself. And and I choose that phrase um, partially for its vagueness and partially for um, its potential. I know that can seem like a dichotomy, but I don't care. The, the, The notion of of embodying yourself in a more um, pure and authentic way. There's a, I think, I suggest there's a grace that comes to life that um, um, perhaps a quickening that happens when we pull ourselves out of the the proverbial quagmire, the the, the karmic concrete, perhaps that um, as souls we chose to incarnate into, and uh, uh, this the path of spiritual journey. Talk about a vague statement. Spiritual journeys are as vast and different as perhaps the populace itself, but yet. I think there's some real common themes to um, the effect of uh, progress on our spiritual journey, if you will. And uh, um, for myself, um, with the new Human Living radio show and platform, I I chose the tagline of pure, authentic you. And the reason I did that is there's no adjectives there. It's pure and authentic don't suggest anything in in a sense of uh, behavioral attributes, um, good or bad or et cetera. Because I think the, uh, the freedom that comes from being empty to being empty of um, the dogma of the past, empty of an expectation of self in a sense that we should be one way or another. Uh, so often there can be a kind of a template. Um, um, organized religions are very uh, notorious for, you know, uh, the requirement to live a righteous life. We need to live a righteous life in order to find favor with the divine. And and the more I uh, connect with uh, my higher self or a deeper understanding or whatever context you want to put it in, I suggest there's fewer and fewer templates as to the quote correct or incorrect um, way we need to behave to find salvation, to find bliss, to find fulfillment, if you will. So it's, uh, um, if you've been on your journey for a while and you, and you look to, uh, to make progress, perhaps you've plateaued, perhaps you've, you've, um, learned all there is to learn from your current teacher. I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation tonight. Um, because Heather Ash has written uh, quite a delightful book, and uh, I think our conversation tonight will hopefully uh, um, showcase it for what it is. Um, and and I think what it is is a is a very powerful elixir, a very powerful um, yet very simple and very palatable um, 
path, if you will, to to take yourself to that next level. So um, I think we're going to have plenty of content so we can just get right to it. Again, the topic tonight, the warrior heart practice, and again, our guest is Heather Ash Amara, and um, the Warrior Heart Practice is the name of her latest book. It just came out, in fact, this month. Talk about a fresh book. The uh, subtitle is A Simple Process to Transform Confusion into Clarity and Pain into Peace. It's a revolutionary process based on the four chambers of the heart and it's rooted in Toltec wisdom, which brings emotional clarity, healing, and freedom. The warrior heart practice is indeed a powerful new method to reconnect with our sense of authenticity and inner knowing and realign with our true nature. As the author of the best-selling book, Warrior Goddess Training, Heather Ash Amara has trained extensively in the Toltec tradition under the tutelage of Don Miguel uh, Ruiz, author of The Four Agreements. Amara was inspired to write The Warrior Heart Practice after experiencing her own struggle with self-worth fear of rejection, shame and blame. Her goal is to help others achieve freedom from the inside out, genuinely believing that we are all fascinating, imaginative, capable beings. Using her invaluable wisdom of the Toltec teachings, the Warrior Heart Practice will guide readers through the process of enthusiastically working through life inevitable obstacles in rearranging yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. Join me in welcoming Heather Ash to the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Les. Great to be here with you. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I'm sure I have. What a wonderful book. Um, I, I find I, it, it's such a del- delightful read. The con- the content is not only um, easy to read, but yet uh, the the message and the and the process, I think, provides a a very powerful um, modality or practice to to um, restore our wholeness. Um, I don't want to um, put a context much to it because I'd rather hear it from you. Can you give us a little history? Because you've written other books before. Can you give us a little history about how this book came about? Yeah, this is actually my eighth book. I've been working on it for six years, and a lot of other books have been written while this one has been in process. But this one was inspired, I was talking to a dear friend of mine, and he was telling me a story of a situation that was happening in his life and how much it was hurting him and how much he was struggling. And I stopped him and I said, honey, that's not really what happened. And I reminded him of the truth because I was there. And he would then go, oh, my gosh, you're right. I'm telling myself this incredible story. You're right. Okay. And he'd feel better. And then he'd go off. And about two or three days later, he came back to me with the same painful story. And the third time that this happened, I just opened my heart and I said to myself, I said, is there any way I can help my friend stay in the truth? What I realized is that it's so challenging for us sometimes to get out of our own stories. I've had that experience of getting hooked by a story. Here was this dear friend I had that kept spinning and causing suffering for himself. And with that prayer, opening my heart to this person, this process dropped in. 
And that was about six years ago. And since then, we've been using it in a lot of different places. I've been using it on myself with my students. I've trained a bunch of facilitators and therapists who are now using it with their clients. And we found that it's a just incredible process to help people untangle the feelings from their story, the story from the truth, and really start to live from their intent and their authenticity. Well, very nice. It um, it certainly can um, be a, a common attribute for people to have a story that really lives on the tip of their tongue. I mean, here in the West, it's, it's quite common when you meet uh, somebody for the first time, you ask them, well, what do you do? Or, or something to that effect. And they recite to you this this perhaps monologue of how they see themselves, who they are, what, what their values are, and whatnot. And, and what you're talking about here is uh, kind of stepping out of the story, perhaps, and, uh, and observing the story. I mean, um, how do you shift your relationship to the story to, to have that opportunity to grow from it? First, you have to realize that, that you have a story and that you have the capacity to change it. Not to change what happened to you, but to change your relationship to how you talk to yourself. And many of us have tangled up a lot of shame or blame or judgment or victimization with our stories. And we've created whole identities of who we think we're supposed to be or what our experience dictates that we should be. And we also take on stories from other people, from our peers, from our parents, from our religion. And so a lot of these stories get tangled together, and we don't even realize that they're stories. So what I'm interested in is helping people to look at the ways they've identified themselves, to look at the stories that they're telling themselves that don't serve them that are causing us suffering, that are causing us harm, and to help us to start to create more spaciousness so that our stories are more empowering rather than being the victim of our stories or living our lives out of a story. I should be this, or if I was this way, then everything would be okay. And instead, really starting to chart our own course of who we want to create ourselves to be. Right. Well, um, actually, um, there is a, a map and a method of the warrior heart practice, and I don't want to get too fragmented in this conversation. Why don't we uh, uh, discuss what is the map and the method that's uh, based um, behind the book? Yeah, the book's put into two sections. So the first section is the map, which is the big picture overview of how did we get where we are as humans. And I found it's really important for us to have a map because if you're lost, in the olden days we used to pull out these huge paper maps that you would unfold. The first thing that you would do is look at where were you. You'd figure out where you are on the map. And then you'd figure out where you're going. And a lot of us don't really understand where we're at and we don't really know where we're going. We have a vague idea where we're going, but we're not really honest about where we're at. And so the map helps us to understand how we got to where we're at. And I learned this. It's called the Toltec Cosmology through my teacher and mentor, Don Miguel Ruiz. And I remember when I learned it, this particular map, my brain was just blown open because it explained so many things to me that I hadn't understood. And it really helped me to find my feet to understand why it's so important to clean up those old stories, which are made out of agreements, and also to know where we're going to have a picture. The second part is the method. So once you have the overview, then you need to know how do I get from where I'm at to where I'm going? And the method is the warrior heart practice. So it's a, a simple process 
that really is about helping us separate out the pieces. I think the, the practice is if you had an engine and the engine's all gunked up and there's a bunch of stuff in it, it's not running really well, what you would do is take the engine apart, clean up all the pieces, and then put the pieces back together so that the engine runs efficiently. And as humans, we're pretty gunked up. We often are either cycling old emotions or dragging our emotions with us from the past, or we've repressed our emotional body. We have a lot of stories that don't serve us, and a lot of stories that aren't even ours. And a lot of times the emotions and the stories get tangled together and get gunked up. And so the method teaches us how to separate out the pieces and to really lovingly start to clean them up so that we can be as powerful and as creative as we're meant to be. Oh, I like that. The, um, um, the emotional components of our, our map of, of how we got to where we are, so often we can have a, a reactive habit or a reactive pattern to our emotions that keep us uh, stuck in a cycle where when, when whatever triggers the emotion, when, when that emotion wells up in our persona, we'll have a, a reactive pattern. And um, without breaking that pattern, it's really like laying down railroad tracks on that map as far as where you're going to be going because um, when we react to a pattern, we, can't, we create the same results. And as such, there's, there's no um, resolution. How, how do you... Uh, how do you shift your um, relationship with emotions and and break that pattern and and clean up the the, the map of your past, so to speak? Mm. That is the question. <laughs> so it takes a willingness to go back into your relationship with your emotional body and to start looking at we tend to do one of two things. Either we have a story that we shouldn't have emotions or we don't know what to do with our emotions, so we repress them. And that's akin to taking a, a beach ball and pushing it underwater and trying to hold it underwater. Eventually it's going to pop up again. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to hold it down. So either repress our emotions, which isn't super successful, or we cycle them. So we tell ourselves a story, we have an emotional reaction to it, and then we tell ourselves the story again, we have another reaction. And the issue that can happen is we all have these emotional backpacks, which are filled with all the emotions that we haven't processed. And so what can happen is we respond to something with a huge emotion, but the truth is we're not actually responding to that thing from a present emotion or responding from a past experience. And it can just stay messy because we have the reaction, we tell ourselves the story of why we think we're having the reaction, then we have more of the reaction, but we're not actually cleaning the backpack out. So the warrior heart practice is really designed to help us get into right relationship with our emotional body by learning how to turn and face the emotional body and sit with it and be with it. So the, the first chamber, there's four chambers of the practice. And the first chamber is called the feeling chamber. And when you're in a trigger, when you're upset, when you're confused, you start with the question, what am I feeling? Now, the difference, what creates the healing is that we're separate, we're learning how to separate. This can be very challenging, but it's an incredible skill to separate out what we're feeling from what the story is and just go towards the feeling. And most of us are actually excellent at exiting our emotions. Like we're usually very skilled. An emotion arises and we avoid it or we think about it rather than actually feeling it. So to learn to ask yourself, what am I feeling separate from the story and then go into your body and just feel the feeling. What's the sensation in the body? Where does it live? 
And in the feeling chamber, in that first chamber of the warrior heart practice, you're not trying to figure out why you feel the way you do or justify it or change what you're feeling. You're actually just learning to be with the emotion. And that is a huge breakthrough to have, to learn how to just sit with your emotional body rather than exiting it or repressing it in some way. So that's the beginning of a, a new relationship with the emotional body. Well, do you have any uh, tips to when that when the emotions well up in your persona? I mean, because like, uh, I mean, some of it can seem easy enough to think about. I get, you know, um, jealous uh, or something like that, but. There's some pretty hardcore emotions going around on this planet, like uh, uh, yeah. PTSD or um, um, extremely uh, violent um, imprinting in our psyche. How, how do you create a new relationship to something that has carried such a, a very volatile feeling, if you will, that, that put it there to begin with? Yeah. Well, it's important to look at if for people that have trauma or PTSD, something that is nervous system based, you want to do the practice differently. So, and I can talk about that in a little bit. So the, the rewiring of the emotional body that we're talking about is when you're in reaction to something and you're able to hold yourself and stay present while you're having the emotion and start to track where it is in your body. Something I was talking to someone about earlier today is that, you know, it's not always practical to feel your feelings when you have them. So if you're at work and let's say you get really triggered by a coworker and you feel a lot of anger arising, the best thing to do is not to go experience the anger because that could create a not good situation at work. But what you would want to do is just notice, okay, I'm feeling really angry I will get back to you and you promise your emotional body. Basically I'll go feel the anger, but for now I need to wait. Okay. And when you can have the emotion, then you sit down. Like when you get home, then you sit down and put yourself back in the situation and let yourself really feel the emotion. So let yourself have the anger. You're not acting on it but you're giving yourself permission to experience it in your body, to notice where it is. And what happens is so often the emotion feels really scary, like jealousy. Like it's scary to have jealousy. And we often tell ourselves a story rather than just being with the jealousy. But if you can just sit with the jealousy and breathe into it, you'll find it's often not that intense when it's separated from the story. And there's often, when you then look at the story later, there's a lot of layers around self-worth, around being special. Like there's all sorts of stories around it that when we unravel it, creates more space around it. It's the same thing with something like grief or anger. These can be really intense emotions. But what actually keeps the intensity going is the story. When you just go towards the emotion without the story, it might be super like, oh, big. But then what you'll find is you feel better on the other side of it because you've given yourself the permission to let that feeling move through your body. Now, emotions are energy. And when we allow them to move, doesn't mean we take action on them. But when we create the space for them to be present in our body, they're like a wave. It can be really intense and then... They ebb. Well, is there ever emotions that are um, like um, false or um, kind of like uh, um, fabricated, if you will, or is the uh, perhaps the word would be intelligence behind our emotions rooted in more of an innate wisdom of our, our persona. 
now there's definitely, I mean, there's emotions that are attached to a story that we can keep going forever. So if I have a story that, I'm just going to make something up. If I have a story that I'm not smart and that I have to hide that fact, and I'm in a situation where I think somebody is pointing out to me that I made a mistake, I'm going to have a big emotional reaction. But that emotion is not based on my own intelligence, body intelligence. That emotion is based on a story I have, which says that I have to be smart, and if I'm not, I'm not safe, and so therefore I have to have this emotion or I have this experience. But as we clean the stories up, what happens is that the emotional body is incredibly wise. And so, yes, we'll have emotions where there's something off and our body is showing us, hey, your thinking is not right or the situation, there's something not right with the situation. There's something that's off. And there isn't a good, bad, right, wrong necessarily, but there's this like the body begins to be much more wise to show us something needs to be adjusted either in our thinking or in our relating to others. But first we have to clean the emotional body up and separate the stories out because until we do that, our emotional body really isn't trustworthy because our emotions are coming from the story. It doesn't mean the emotions aren't real. The emotions are real, but they're being created by a story. So when we go to break our story down to look for perhaps incongruencies or um, um, what's our measuring stick? I mean, when we put the story there to begin with, we had some kind of rationale, be it logical or illogical, that created the story. How do you, how do you vet or weigh a story? I mean, what's the measuring stick for that? Well, what you want to do is give yourself permission to tell yourself the full version of the story. So the way the warrior heart practice works is there's four chambers. The first chamber is the feeling chamber. The second chamber is the story chamber. And in the story chamber, the question is, what is the story I'm telling myself? And so there isn't a, a value judgment of this is a good story, this is a bad story, this is a an okay story and this is a wrong story. It's just simply, this is what I'm telling myself. And often I think about it that when you go into the story chamber, you want to be an archeologist. So as an archeologist, you wouldn't go someplace and pick up a shard or pick up a piece of pottery on the ground and go, I found something. I'm done. You know that you have to keep digging, right? But there's, treasures beneath the surface and it's the same thing with our story so often we're just focused on the the experience the current experience that we're having and but that's just the first level it's just the first layer so often there's a much deeper story that's driving the emotion and that's also driving the story and so when we're willing to start digging and not edit the story not make the story better just really look at what am I telling myself? Then you'll start to find all these different threads of the story. And what happens with our stories is that they're like cords or like threads. And if you imagine you take a bunch of cords or a bunch of ropes and you throw them in a bag and you walk around for a while, what happens is they all get tied together. They all get knotted up. This happens with necklaces and, you know, computer cords. It's kind of amazing how fast they can tie themselves in little knots. And if you start just pulling at the cords, you start pulling those ropes, they just get tighter. But if you start really gently starting to separate the, the different pieces out, then you can start to separate them and make more spaciousness. And it's the same thing with our stories. We have to be willing to be honest with ourselves about what we're actually saying in our heads, what the stories are, and start to untangle them by just naming them. That's what allows us to get more perspective and more understanding. I like that. 
Well, so often, I mean, um, when we were, the day we were born, none of us had an ego, per se, and, and it's in the environment of our family of origin that we were taught how to think and the, the notion of objects and I think a very important element, the value of everything in our environment. When, um, and and kind of what I'm getting at here is, um, it's like you can have a, a low-grade flu for decades, and it and it becomes the norm. You just, I mean, that's that's how you always feel. Mm. You, you lose sight of the notion that that you have a stigma, you, that you ha, that you have a um, uh, you know in this example like a low grade flu. But um, once you get over it and and you're kind of like on the other side of it, then you could see it for what it was and the expense, so to speak, that you paid to carry it around so long and not be aware of it. So the, the, what I'm getting at here is when we're raised, like I, um, I think our, our family of origin is, is a key factor in how our soul chooses part of our life purpose and the lessons associated with it. The, the beliefs the, and, and the values of our family of origin can get instilled in us in in the birth of our ego, if you will, and mm-hmm. and so how do you um, how how do you step out? I mean, it is there a, a how do you realize you have that low grade flu, um, so you know to go and get better, if you will. Yeah, it's a great question, and it you now it reminds me of the the map that in the cosmology, what we talk about, what I talk about in the beginning of the book is that we each have what I call a big soul and a little soul, and your little soul is your ego, it's your personality, it's the part of you that believes you're separate, it's part of you that creates all the stories. And then we also have a big soul, which is the part of us that is connected to everything that is incredibly wise and that has this joy and this love and this expansion. And when we're little, you can really see this in little kids, we're really connected. We, our big souls and our little souls are still in communication. They're still talking. But pretty quickly, and usually when we learn language, we start learning the stories of our family, of our religion, of the dream that we're in, and the little soul starts to separate and feel like it has to fulfill all these rules. It has to be a certain way, and so it tries to be something other than it, than it is. The big soul is still there, but we lose sight of it, and the little soul becomes almost like a kid that's lost in the market and it's freaking out and feeling like it has to figure everything out and protect itself. And so we're running around trying to make ourselves safe and do it right and be who we're supposed to be. And we create this incredible suffering for ourselves because we're disconnected from that essence of who we truly are. And so to embrace both parts of ourselves, and I think this is sometimes where spiritual practice has gotten, can get tricky. Because sometimes what we do is we say, ego is bad, I need to reject that ego part of myself, and I just need to focus on the big soul. But that ego part of us is important, and it also is wounded. It needs attention. It needs to be clarified. It needs to be reconnected to the big soul. So by beginning to explore the story that we're telling ourselves, the story that really our little soul is telling ourselves, then that gives us the capacity to reconnect 
and to start to step into more of the truth. And that's where we're really going. So the, the warrior heart practice has four chambers. The feeling, the story, and then the truth is the third chamber. And that truth is really connected to the big soul. Because the big soul has this really big perspective. And it's not caught in the human everyday struggles. It's, I, I like to think of the big soul as this really wise grandparent, this really wise elder that's like, everything's fine. You don't have to be so dramatic. You're good. Right. <laughs> You're whole. And <laughs> so learning to step more towards the truth. You know, we need to name what the stories are so we can get the information. But then we also want to step into the third chamber and ask ourselves, what is really true here? What can I see as true? And the truth is always simple. The, to- the story tends to be really convoluted, really confused. But the truth is one sentence with a period at the end. It's very simple. And what we often do is we go to the truth chamber and we write a better story, and we call it the truth. So in the book, one of the things that I really do is help people to understand the difference between a story and the truth and how to bring that more into your consciousness so that you understand the feeling sense difference between when you're in story and when you're in truth. I like that. Well, the, I mean, in in the search for truth, so to speak, um, um, we're we're tr- we're looking to have a greater clarity of the truth. And you talked about the simplicity behind the truth, and and we can we can bounce our ideas off of spiritual teachers or religious leaders or whatnot. And, and they'll reflect their story or their idea of the truth. Mm-hmm. Is, there a, is there an absolute truth and a subjective truth? Or, I mean, how do you, how do you dance the dance of, of um, overcoming yet just another story that sounds more true than the last story? How do you accelerate that <laughs> in time? Um, that stories uh, in a more um, uh, objective way. Yeah. So subjective truth is truth that is true for you in this moment, but it's going to change. So an example of a subjective truth is I feel sad right now. That's true. You may feel sad right now, but you're not always going to feel sad. And we sometimes confuse I am sad as your forever state, but the truth is you're sad in this moment. And so we want to look at the difference between subjective truth and a more absolute truth. And it takes a while to start to ascertain the difference between what's an absolute truth. And an example, one of the places I always have people start with absolute truth is, I am breathing. That is always true. If it's not true, you're dead and you don't care. So if you can say to yourself, I am breathing, and that's your first truth, and then to open your being, you know, one of the things that I really believe less is that all of us know the truth at death. We have a feeling sense in our body when we find the truth. We know it. And as we're willing to start to listen and ask ourselves what's true here, the body starts to show us, the wisdom of our being starts to show us what the truth is. And the truth is always incredibly simple. So that's the two hallmarks of the truth. One that you have a relaxation or a resonance in your body that says, yes, that's true. And 
you know it's true, even if you don't like the truth. You know, I've had plenty of experiences working the warrior heart practice where I get to the truth chamber and I realize the truth and I'm like, I don't like that truth. But I also know, and it's true. You know, I can share a story about sure. one of the experiences that I had that of how I used the warrior heart practice to untangle a very big knot. Um, and my body knew what was true. And I think that's true for all of us. It may take us a while to learn what that feels like in our body, but we all have that capacity. We all have that wisdom inside of us. And the truth is always simple. Anytime that we have a semicolon or a comma or we justify ourselves or we start blaming somebody else, we're back in story. So we want to bring ourselves back to what's actually true in this moment. What can I see as true? And I would imagine that would get um, easier and perhaps simpler, kind of like a, um, flexing a muscle. If you don't ever use your muscles and then you find yourself in some kind of peril and you have to use your muscles, the, you don't have a relationship with your muscles because there's not been any interaction with it. But it seems like with the truth, as you, I mean, the first few times as you move from the story chamber into the truth chamber and you start to um, look for a deeper truth, take a, a bigger step back and look at a deeper truth, it, it seems like the more you do that, the more you flex your relationship with the truth, uh, your, uh, it seems like your discernment would uh, gain clarity um, over time, and perhaps it would be an easier and easier process. Absolutely. It does become easier. And I know for myself, when I first started doing this work, I didn't want to know the truth. I was so attached to my story and to the drama and to the, the feeling of like being alive because there's this intense story that I'm living and over time, I've really, really begun to appreciate the, the simplicity of the truth. And I'm, I'm really in love with the truth now. I just want to know what's true. And I've seen that with a lot of people that use the warrior heart practice is they fall more and more in love with the truth and it's easier to find. It becomes an exercise of naming the story and then looking at, okay, sweetheart, what's actually true here? And it does because become much easier to name those truths for ourselves. And we realize how much energy it saves us. I mean, the stories take us so much energy, so much time. And that's time that we could be using for creativity. That's time that we could be using to do things that we love. It's time that we could be really learning how to give our gifts in the world. So I'm on a mission really to help people let go of their stories more and more so that they have the spaciousness to say, all right, where do I want to put my energy? Where do I want to put my resources? Well, there's an insane amount of freedom to that. And once you've tasted that, mm -hmm. it's like... There is. Don't even waste time, um, not in the truth. <laughs> well, so um, as we move from the the feeling to the story to the truth chamber, what what comes after truth? The fourth chamber is the intent chamber, and your intent is your focus, it's your clarity, it's what you're willing to commit to. And so your truth is one word. As we go through the warrior heart practice, it becomes more and more simple. So the truth is one sentence, it's a period, your intent is one word. And that word can be anything, but it's your, I think about it as it's your North Star. It's where you're going to put your attention. And your intent is not, I want this other person to change their behavior. 
or I want life to be different. Your intent is I want to bring this quality or this energy back into this situation. So your intent might be presence, it might be play, it might be compassion, it might be love, it can be anything. So you pick that one word, and that really changes how you're in relationship to the experience. So, for example, if I pick my intent is telling the truth, my intent is truth, versus my intent is compassion, that might lead me to take really different actions when I go back into my story, because that's where we're going next. The warrior heart practice doesn't end in the intent chamber. You actually go back through the chambers and what I call circling back. So you now take your intent, that word of your focus, and you now go back into the truth chamber to look at what else is true here. So you're using your truth and your intent as allies, as guides. And then you go back into the story chamber. And what you're doing is you're using your truth and your intent as your new eyes to help you see the story in a new way. So that you become more the hero of your story or you take charge of your story rather than your story dictating your actions or your feelings, you now start to be clear about, all right, here's how I want to be in relationship to this story. So again, it's not about pretending that there isn't a story or that things didn't happen to you. Things happen to you. We have experiences that are very, very difficult, but we start to be able to perceive it in a different way. And that's what brings our power back and our creativity back. Well, certainly there's uh, quite a big jump between the uh, the story chamber and the intent chamber because story is uh, regurgitating um, the past, and then intent it uh, I, <laughs> a metaphor just popped in my head. Story is standing at the back of the boat, looking at the wake the boat is making and going, look at that wake there. That's when I lost my job. And look at the wake there. And then intent is turning around and actually steering the damn boat. I mean, that's a big difference to break out of the repetitive pattern of story and then turn around and and with intent, with consciousness, um, intentionally setting an intent, um, a trajectory, if you will, on that proverbial map of where where you want to take your life um, into the future. Exactly. Yeah. It gives you direction. It gives you a focus. It gives you and it doesn't mean challenges don't arise. You know, this practice is not saying if you do it right, you will have no more challenges in your life. <laughs> what it's saying is this will give you the tools and the capacity to face your challenges and be more creative and more dynamic and more compassionate with yourself as you navigate the challenges of life. Because life is challenging. That's just the truth. You know, I did, I've been doing different podcasts, walking people through the warrior heart practice. And I've been working with people that I don't know and that have really different stories. Um, And one of the women that I worked with had had trauma. She'd been in the military and she'd had a trauma. And I didn't ask her what the trauma was, what happened. We just started with, how do you feel when you think about the trauma? And what she told me is, I feel guilty, I feel ashamed. And then she felt anxious when she felt into it. And so I had her just sit with, where's the guilt in your body? Where's the shame? Where do you feel the anxiety? And she breathed into the anxiety. And again, we didn't try to fix it. We didn't try to change it. She just 
hung out with the anxiety. It was up in her upper chest, and it felt really buzzy. And then we moved to the story chamber, and I asked her, what's your story about the situation? And she told me, my story is I shouldn't have been running by myself. I shouldn't have had my headphones on, and I should have told somebody when the incident happened. I should have told somebody earlier because the abuse kept happening, and I didn't talk about it. And I asked her the question, I said, have you ever been in a situation where you were being abused and you didn't talk about it? And she said, oh, yeah, I was in an abusive marriage for many, many years, and I never told anybody. And she said, in fact, that's why I went into the military. And I said, okay, let me get this straight. You were in an abusive marriage. You went to the military to find power, to find your power, and you got abused again. Is that true? And she said, yeah, that's what happened. So once we understood the story, then I asked her what the truth is. And I just said to her, what's true? What can you see is true? And what she started with is, I believe people shouldn't beat other people. And I said, yeah, that's true. And she had a couple of other truths. And then we went to the intent. And this is where everything started to change because her intent was safety. I want to feel safe. So then we took her intent. We went back to the truth chamber. And I asked her, what do you see? And she again said, people, I should be safe to be anywhere. I should be safe to be anywhere. That's the truth. And I said, you know, that's true, but there's also another truth you need to understand. And I said, the truth is, the world isn't always safe, period. That's just true. The world is not a safe place all the time. And then I asked her, how do you feel about that? And she said to me, she waited a minute, she fell into it. She was like, oh, my God, I feel so relieved. Because what I realize is my story isn't true. Sometimes the world isn't safe, and it's not my fault. So it was a huge revelation for her. And then we went back into the story chamber, and we talked about what happened a little bit. And she really got, I didn't cause this to happen. This happened, period. And she recognized that with her intent being safety, that her job was to figure out how to create a sense of safety inside of herself. What she'd been doing is trying to make the world safe. And that just is an impossible thing. It's a story that you can make the world safe. But she realized she was empowered to listen to what she needed to feel safe, to follow her intuition, to follow her guidance, to listen to herself. And when we went then into the feeling chamber to close, because we always end in the feeling chamber, she felt this immense sense of relief. And she said to me, she said, I've been in therapy for this for years. You know, the VA is always asking me questions about what happened and wanting me to relive the experience, and that never felt good. And she said, in 15 minutes, I just unraveled the story, and I'm really excited to go back into my world and to learn how to create safety for myself. So that's an example of how the warrior heart practice can work by separating out the pieces and getting clear what's your intent. And how do you bring your intent and the truth back into the story chamber to change your life? And the more you make the, the cycle through the four chambers, uh, the more you understand how it feels, the more you understand how to recognize story, the more you understand your ability to recognize truth and the, the immense power of setting an intent. So I would imagine over time there'd be a um, perhaps a quickening um, or a, a sense of uh, a little more sense of grace as you develop a, 
a rapport with the cycle over time. There is. It becomes easier. It goes more quickly. And you're able to untangle even really big things much more efficiently and quickly because you're really getting to know yourself. I see this as a process and a practice around self-intimacy, getting to know yourself. And that makes all the difference. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. I want to make sure our audience knows not only about how to get your book, but the, uh, your modality, the services you offer. Are they uh, in groups, one on one, over the internet, in person? Give us the whole picture of your services and, and how to get in touch with you and get a copy of your books. I do a lot of workshops and facilitated trainings. I'm training people to use the warrior heart practice with other people as a coach or to teach the practice. And I also do a lot of online courses. So people can learn more about me and what's coming up at my website, heatherashamara.com. I also have a Facebook page, and Instagram, all the social media places so people can connect to me in any of those ways. Well, very nice. Um, like I said in the beginning, I think you've written a very delightful book. Um, not only is it uh, powerful, but it's, it's um, palatable. It's easy to read. It's not... It's not too dry and it's not too uh, wordy. I think it's a wonderful job. And uh, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've really enjoyed our conversation and uh, um, the, the, the power of your message. So thank you for being our guest tonight. Thanks so much, Les. It's been really wonderful to be with you. And thank you for all the good work that you do sharing so many different modalities and teachings. We've been talking with Heather Ash Amara, and the topic tonight has been the Warrior Heart Practice, which is the name of our very latest book that just came out this month. Uh, again, I think it's a, it's a good read if you're looking for uh, um, something to take you to that, that next level, to uh, a vehicle, if you will, to help you transform yourself, I think it would be a very good next step. You know, it's a, it's a curious thing when um, um, the more we awaken to that, that higher self or that soul essence, if you will, within our persona, the game changes, I suggest. There's uh, perhaps decades of our life that we spent from the perception perspective of our ego that tried to manipulate and manage life in a, in a meaningful way to get what we wanted to have. And then as we go through our awakening and, and we discover this really immense wisdom and insane Peace. There's this ocean of peace within me and um, uh, a deep sense of freedom that also comes with connecting with um, your soul in a deeper level. The, the trajectory, uh, if you will, of your life becomes much more exciting as you learn the vision of your soul. So... I want to thank you, the listener, for showing up for yourself, for uh, sharing this episode with us. And uh, um, as you go through your life and, and you awaken more and more to your life purpose, um, you're going you're gonna to be glad you showed up for yourself, I suggest. There's, a, there's a, a deep sense of joy, a deep sense of satisfaction that happens. Um, when you honor why you're here. 
As always, it's my pleasure to bring you episodes like this. Um, New Human Living is is here to to uh, awaken the pure, authentic you. Until next time, I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.